0: Very nice to be with you again for the ministry of the word. We're going to read a psalm, please, to Psalm 133. Psalm 133. And you'll notice the title on this psalm. It's one of 15 psalms that are called A Song of Degrees or a song of going up, and four of them are linked with the name of David, and one of them with Solomon. So this is one which is linked with David. It's the penultimate one. They go from Psalm 120 to Psalm 134. A song of degrees of David, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments as the Jew of Hermon and as the Jew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. And we know that God will bless his word. It has been intimated that we will be looking uh, in the Lord's will at assembly truth just in the week that's ahead. And as David informed me just of this Ministry meeting this afternoon. My mind was turned to this psalm. For while the assembly and the church, as we know it, is not in the Old Testament, uh, we know that there are many principles that regard to the people of God in the Old Testament, in which we can learn much. From First Corinthians would inform us that that is the purpose. Uh, for you and I, of learning from Israel's experience, that we might learn how God dealt with them. And one of those principles we have beautifully illustrated in this psalm, and that is unity. And I just thought, as we think of the week ahead, really, what is the purpose of uh, looking at assembly truth and uh, edifying ourselves from it? Is it not just that we might know unity? you know, that should be the purpose of all ministry. It is to edify, to build up, and that we might know from that unity amongst ourselves. If ministry divides, well, I would sound a warning note to that type of ministry. It should produce unity. And so our prayer is sincerely, brethren and sisters, as we come among you, that uh, the unity that does exist, I am sure, will be preserved and that we might be edified. And so I just want to really uh, give a little word on unity from this Psalm 133. As I say, a song of degrees of David. And one of the things about David, if we were looking at a biography of David, well, what a vast volume it would be as we think of the life of David. And we would probably have to, to start uh, with him as a son, a son of Jesse. And we would work our way through uh, uh, all those various aspects of his life. A son, we would think of him as well as a servant and a soldier. And you could think of him as a songwriter, even in the context of the Psalms. And of course, we would have to speak, wouldn't we, of David as a sinner and then as a sovereign. We love to think of David as a sovereign because as David, one of the, the marked um characteristics of his service was that he united the kingdom and that golden age of the kingdom under David and Solomon was was a wonderful time of unity. There was much division amongst the people of God and especially after that when the kingdom was rent in two. But unity, it's lovely to just observe the times of unity amongst the people of God. But one of the other things that we would mark about the life of David, towards the end of his life, um, not only to think of him as a sovereign and in all the glory that surrounded his kingdom and the promise of a throne that would be forever, but just at the end of his life, David speaks of himself as a sojourner and as a stranger. David was, I think, one of the, the marks of his of his life. And one of the successes was just this, that David had a sense of the fact that he was just a pilgrim passing through. And he would have to go the way of all the earth. And David never failed to appreciate his his mortality. In contrast to Saul, who lived for the present and thought only of his life now, David had a sense. He says, we're just along with the people of God. We're just sojourners and strangers. Could I use another word that Peter uses to describe that similar idea? That is pilgrims. Now we're getting close to what really these 15 Psalms of degrees are all about. Because most would see that if you read through them, central to these 15 Psalms, in fact the central Psalm 127, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain who build it. So very central to this uh, little group of 15 Psalms is the house of God, the house of the Lord, the temple. And therefore we would see that it's possibly uh, during the temple period that these Psalms were not only written, but as songs they were sung. And most likely as the pilgrims left the countryside and were going up to Jerusalem and up to the temple for the three feasts of Passover and tabernacles. And they would go on, and first fruits, they would go up to the city in Jerusalem and they would be singing. They would be singing these songs. And another one attributed to David is that beautiful, those beautiful words, Then was I glad when they said, Let us go into the house of the Lord. And that goes on to say, whether the tribes go up. And one of the features of these psalms, in keeping with the title, the songs of ascent, is that they take us upward. And they get us to look up. And they get us to lift up our eyes. And to go up. Until this penultimate psalm. As all the pilgrims come together in one great company, there is this beautiful song behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And as the children of Israel looked at their brethren, looked at this wonderful family of God, it wasn't it just lovely to see people from all parts had converged in Jerusalem, and here they were all just of one song, and they were just together, and they were going to dwell in unity. So that's just a little bit of a sketch of the background of these psalms. I don't want to dwell any more upon it, but just to get into the detail. And really, three lessons that I want to lift. First of all, from each verse. Verse 1, I want us to think of the harmony of unity. Then verse 2, we'll think of the holiness of Of unity. Because not only is the harmony pleasant, but we're going to see a picture here which would point to a priestly aspect of unity. And then thirdly, I want from verse 3 to see that unity is heavenly. So it's harmony, it's pleasant. Now, what really is unity? Well, if I read this verse again to you and just uh, altered one word, it will maybe give us a starting point. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together, together. Did you get that? For brethren to dwell together, together. In other words, that word together in verse one is the exact same Hebrew word as unity. It's just been translated in a different way to distinguish it. And that is important but essentially, as a base definition, unity is the idea of being together. Now, of course, that's very practical and important, brethren and sisters, isn't it? In a world that would seek to divide us as the people of God, and even in evangelical circles, would seek to separate. And the world would teach us we need to actually separate into into groups and into cells and uh, Note, the Bible actually, when it's describing unity, it says we must be together. That's the big thing, together. So that's just a a base definition, but there's more to it because as we think of the harmony, what I want to do is to think of, first of all, the family. It says it's brethren that dwell together in unity. Now, one of the things we'll be doing this week quite frequently And it's a useful exercise for young believers, especially as you come to study your Bible. And that is to look for the first mention of a word, the law of first mention. And very often when you look at the law of first mention, as you know, you will see much to be learned about the meaning of that word or term. So where is the first mention of unity in scripture or the first mention of this Hebrew word together? Well, I think it's most beautiful beautiful because it's actually between brethren. And it takes us right back to Genesis and chapter 13. And you remember that story of Abraham and Lot. And what was the problem that they found? Well, it was this, that the land was not able to hold them because their substance was so great. And there in Genesis 13, it says, Their substance was so great that the land in which they were going to, they were not able to dwell together. There's that phrase just lifted out of Psalm 133, and we find it first mentioned between Abraham and Lot. Now, you know the outcome of that situation, don't you? Because Abraham was very concerned that there would be no strife between him and his brethren, And the brethren of Lot. And so it was that Abraham gave Lot the choice. Why? That there might be no strife. That there might be no strife. So there we learn very much and very quickly the importance of unity between brethren. It's going to involve choices. It's going to involve a desire that there will be no strife between us and that's the first mention that's very important but then a second mention of it in genesis and this again i am underlining something which i feel vital to young believers and that is make sure you get a study of the book of genesis because not only is it a place of first mentions but it is a, a place where much of what is is seen in assembly truth is there in principle so where do we find this again three times It's mentioned in Genesis in chapter 22. And again, it's in a family situation. That beautiful chapter where Abraham and Isaac are going. And what does it say there? It says, and they went both of them together. Now you could miss that little phrase in Genesis 22, but it's there twice. As they gathered the wood and the fire and they left the young men, it says they went both of them together. What is that? Isn't it the unity between the father and the son? Isn't it the unity that's marked out by sacrifice? As they went to that place of sacrifice, they went both of them together. Brethren and sisters, is there any more beautiful picture of unity than we see, than the one we remembered this morning, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, this is where it all begins. It begins with him. That's where we'll be starting tomorrow night. It starts with Christ. There's not a principle with regard to the local assembly, whether it's unity Or any other thing that does not take us back to Christ and God as the starting point. That's why it's called the assembly of God. And therefore we see as Abraham and Isaac went forth to that mount. They went together. They were together in their service. They were together in their exercise. And they were going to be together in that sacrifice. Aren't we thankful for the unity that existed in the Godhead. Father, Son and Holy Spirit. All moving towards Calvary. No division, no strife between the Father and the Son. He could say, I and the Father are one. I do always those things which please the Father, he could say. Father, let not this cup pass from thee. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. See, this is unity. This is is the beautiful picture of unity that would lead to sacrifice. So we learn from this, from Abraham and Lot, that where there is unity, there should be no strife, number one. But in Genesis 22, we're learning this, where there is unity, there will be sacrifice. Sacrifice offered. But then we see a third reference to it in Genesis 22, and where the substitute now has been placed on the altar. And the place has been named Jehovah Jireh. And it says, So they went, both of them, together. But then when they come back to the young man, this is what it says Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba. Abraham now returns to the young men, and they go together. What do I see now? Oh, I see now another aspect of family unity. That is unity between the old and the young. and That's a big thing, isn't it, brethren and sisters? That the old and the young are together. I know we have Sunday school and, and certain things, and we have messages for the young and messages for the old. Don't get me wrong. But the thing is this, that there was a unity between the, the, the old had a care for the young, and the young had a respect for the old. And so I'm mighty thankful as I look back on my short Christian experience. I'm thankful for those older saints that returned to me again and again. And I could say we went together, went to preach many a time with an older. What we learned from them, I could never value in its entirety. But I tell you, what did these young men learn from Abraham as they returned? I tell you, they must have learned something about what took place on that mount. And so there is a unity. So these first mentions are so important and illustrate what we have in verse number one. The harmony harmony that is found in unity with regard to the family. You say in the New Testament, there's another example of it. Uh, just as we were thinking this morning of the sepulchre, you remember Peter and John. It says they ran together. They had a they had a unity in their exercise as they ran towards the sepulchre, and that's instructive as well. But then, secondly, I want us to think uh, of the fact that unity is not only something that speaks of harmony, and it also speaks, and we're instructed in this psalm, that it's something that is holy. See, if I just told you that unity was just a matter of us all being together, well, that that would be dangerous, If that's, if that's just all where it stopped. Because you and I know that in the uh, evangelical word world, there's an ecumenical movement that just says we must all come together. In fact, we were out in the open air in the street uh, just... A few weeks ago and there was a man approached me and he said he says you're standing here giving out tracts and preaching he said and there's other people down the street he was referring to the jehovah's witnesses of all people and then he says there's other people that are here sometimes and they're preaching the gospel why do we not all come together all come together well had we all come together i put it to him And we began to preach. Well, number one, we would be preaching different messages. But I said to him, tell me this. If someone was to get saved, where would we tell them to go? What would we tell them to do? And he looked at me blank. He says, if I was talking to you, you would be telling them to go there. Uh, Someone would be telling them to go here. Someone would be telling you need to be baptized. Someone would be saying, well, it doesn't matter. You're baptized when you're a baby. That's all right. And the whole thing would be confusion. Now, although we're together, God is not the author of confusion. No, there must be harmony. And therefore, the togetherness is something the psalmist teaches us that is holy. That is holy. And so it is according to the word of God. And that's what we're going to find out. And as the psalmist here describes this most beautiful beautiful picture here, uh, he is now looking back to, to Aaron. And he's thinking of what goes on in the temple. And he's thinking of the high priest offering at the altar. And specifically the occasion when the high priest Aaron was consecrated and he was anointed. And he says, this unity, it's just like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard. Brethren and sisters, this of course is a beautiful picture of the Holy Spirit. And we must always remember that the unity that we seek and the unity that we want to practice and preserve it is a spiritual unity. It is not a unity that comes through the ideas and the innovations of men who think that the answer to everything is to bring everybody together no matter what you believe. That's just confusion. No, this is a unity that is produced by the Holy Spirit. So that Paul says in Ephesians, he says, Endeavor to keep the unity Of the Spirit in the bond of peace with all lowliness and meekness, long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Now, again, young people, wherever you get the oil in Scripture, in the Old Testament specifically, and it's the oil, the olive oil that was used in that holy anointing oil to anoint the high priest, that is always teaching us of the Holy Spirit. The person of the Holy Spirit. Let me give you an example just that links the two. You remember when Samuel anointed David. He anointed him with oil. Now that wasn't the anointing of him as priest. That was as king. So Samuel anointed David and it says he anointed him with oil. And it says the Spirit was upon him from that day forth. So while the Spirit did not indwell the people of the Old Testament, they were still influenced by the Holy Spirit upon them. And you remember that goes right from Genesis chapter 1, when the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters in creation, all the way through to Matthew and the Spirit hovering over Mary. And that is what produces a godly unity. You see, what that man was suggesting to me on the street was not born of the Holy Spirit. Because where we have that which is born of the Holy Spirit, what will it do? It will elevate and it will exalt Christ. That's what the Lord Jesus said the purpose of the Holy Spirit was. The Holy Spirit is he that that comforter which will testify of me. So where you see the Holy Spirit in operation, it will elevate and it will glorify and exalt the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And where that's the case, then you will have unity. Unity. A little bit of detail on this. The first thing I notice about this holy anointing oil is its fragrance. If we were to go back to Exodus 30, we would learn that not only in this uh, anointing oil, this what was used to anoint Aaron was their oil. There was myrrh. Myrrh. There were principal spices. There was cinnamon. There was calamus. There was cassia, And there was a fragrance. As that oil was poured over the head of Aaron, it wasn't just something that was visual. To appeal to the sight, to sanctify and separate this man for his service, there was a real fragrance from it. This was something real. This is something tangible. Oh, brethren and sisters, do we realize that that is the beauty of unity. This is the pleasantness of unity when it's seen amongst the people of God. It is something tangible. It has a fragrance about it. It is a pleasantness. You know, there's, there's nothing no, so more beautiful to go into an assembly, the people of God, and to just note the fragrance, to see them moving together from so many different uh, places. Look at what's represented here today in this room in in terms of nationality, in terms of origin. We're all, you would say, it's a recipe for confusion as far as man is concerned. But as far as God is concerned, because of salvation, because of the Spirit, He has guided us all together. And according to His Word, there is a pleasantness and there is a fragrance that we all enjoy. Now, I know that that's not to say there'll not be a a couple of difficulties and there'll not be a a little bit of disagreement over certain things, but you see, that doesn't affect the overriding unity of the Spirit because it has a harmony with the Word of God. So that like an orchestra, because really it's it's a song that is before us, you know that as far as music is concerned, there must be chords that operate in harmony. And if you put C and E together, well, you'll get a nice chord and harmony. If you put C and D together, you'll get an awful noise. Now, you see, we must keep the harmony. And when you come to the Acts, it says that they all continued with one accord. And that is really a, a sort of a musical term And in that there was a harmony. And what's our, what's our musical notation? It's just the Word of God. That's what we follow. Now, that's what we must look at. And not depart from it. And so here was a high priest. And he was anointed according to the word of God. God's direction. And there was a fragrance with it. The other thing is. I noticed that it was flowing. You see. it it, it He was anointed upon the head. And uh, if you and I got something on our head. Well the first thing we would do. We would try to get it cleared off. So that it wouldn't go on down us. But not with this. No, the whole purpose of this, that it would go upon his head and it would flow down his beard of all places. It would just be saturated. And then it would go from his beard onto his garments. And the word really is the opening of his garments. There's debate as to whether it's the opening of his neck uh, or whether it's the edge of his skirts. But the point is the same. It was just to flow down the man, it was to cover him. And the point is this, that it would flow from the head over all the body. You see, where do we get our unity, brethren and sisters? We get our unity not from some man that's just taking taking ownership of the company. A man made head. No, we take our ownership and our unity from the risen head, Christ. You see how it all flows from Christ? The one who went to Moriah and sacrificed the one of whom there was no strife between him and his brethren. And you know, he's the one who is anointed, not as high priest, but he's our great high priest. You see, that's where our head is, brethren and sisters. That's why we have no earthly headquarters when it comes to the assembly. We have no office down in New York as far as Midland Park Gospel Hall is concerned. Why? Because our headquarters is in heaven. Why? That's where our head is. Thank God. We have a great high priest. One who is anointed prophet, priest, and king. And he has ascended. The Holy Spirit has descended and it flows from company to company. And it flows and should be allowed to flow and permeate the whole gathering. Every member of the body connecting the head with the body, flowing down in its beauty. And of course, if you think of the high priest, what else would it have flowed over? After it had run down his beard. It would have dripped onto a breastplate, wouldn't it? That breastplate with the names of the tribes, 12 tribes, their names, covered and saturated in the oil. Oh, the wonder of it, brethren and sisters, to think that every one of us matters to him in heaven. And therefore, the unity is seen so beautiful in its fragrance in the fact that it flows. But then, number three, not only its harmony, its holiness, but I see as well that this is something that is heavenly. It's heavenly. It cannot be manufactured by you and I. Now, we must stress, and we will be looking at this later in the week, God is not the author of confusion. And in the assembly, there should be order. We see that throughout 1 Corinthians. And we see it out throughout wherever God is working. And we see order in creation. We see order as far as the congregation of Israel is concerned. We see order in inspiration. And it should be no surprise to us, therefore, that when it comes to the assembly, that we should see and find order. Because that is heavenly. But the lesson here is not just so much of order, though it is linked with creation. I think here... The picture is of the Jew of Hermon and its flowing and descending. Here's the descending again, the flowing down, and it descended upon the mountains of Zion. The Jew of Hermon, and is the Jew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. There's a little bit of difference as to the order of the words here, but we'll not go into it. Just, just to point out that wherever you have Jew in the Bible, very often. It is linked with heaven. In fact, seven times we read of the dew of heaven. The dew is something that comes down from heaven and settles upon the ground. And you can link it with the manna that sat upon the dew yonder in Exodus 17. But I just want to think of the freshness. The freshness. The freshness of unity. It's just heavenly. It's not man made. It's not manufactured. It's not according to human intuition or innovation, but this is something that is heavenly. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has come down. The word of God we have received. And everything that takes place is just the freshness of heaven about it. You know, that's what we long for, isn't it, in the assembly? Isn't that just what we would love is just a fresh manifestation of unity? Just to see the freshness. You know, isn't it lovely to see a, 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 a new a, a person, a young person saved and baptized and added to the company? And it's just like a little bit of dew of heaven coming down upon the company, just a fresh manifestation of unity. And so we love to see the unity in its freshness. But says the psalmist here, what is the point of it all? Because he says as we look at these mountains around Jerusalem, as the pilgrims stood there, the pilgrims like us who had made progress, and they surveyed the mountains around Jerusalem, as they looked to all of it, as they looked to Mount Moriah in the north, and as they, as they thought of Hermon farther off, he says, this is the place. This is the place where blessing is coming from. Why? Because as you read these 15 Psalms, you discover that this is the place that God had chose to place his name. Brethren and sisters, that will always be the place where this unity will be seen in its freshness and beauty, where his name is honored, where the people would gather unto his name, and he says, there the Lord had commanded his blessing, even life evermore. You see, this is not just something to be enjoyed now. But this is something that has eternal consequences. This is something that has eternal realities. Because as they looked at that temple with all its beauty and all its glory, and as they gazed up at those brazen pillars, Jackan and Boas with their names, and as they looked at the gold that uh, characterized the interior of that temple and the outside as well and the brazen altar and the levers and they put it all together. What really that temple was, as with the tabernacle, it was just teaching them a little bit about heaven. Just a little bit of heaven. You know, that's what the assembly supposed to be, brethren and sisters. It's just a little bit of heaven. And what we put into it, we will be seeing this week, will affect our life and service up there. That's why these Psalms are designed to get us looking up. And that's what we want to do this week. As we think of the assembly and the truth of it, that we might just get a little look up. That as Paul would say to the Colossians, if you're risen with Christ, he says, then set your affection on things above, where he is at God's right hand for life evermore. May God help us. How blessed and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. The harmony of unity is pleasant. The holiness of unity, it's a priestly exercise. And to think as well of the fact that it's heavenly, just like the Jew of heaven. May we just know a fresh appreciation of unity amongst us, even until the Lord returns and for life evermore. May God bless his word and let us pray.